Hello, everyone. My name is Wendy Myers. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast today. My website is myersdetox.com if you want to go learn more in depth about detoxification. Today, we have my new friend, Dr. Stephen Lin, on the show, and he's going to be talking about uh, the dental diet. That's his new book, and he talks about how food is causing the the orthodontia crisis, the epidemic that we have today with so many children having so many cavities and uh, cavitations and uh, root canals and braces and what you can do about it, uh, the changes you can make in your diet, the changes you can make in the type of fats that you eat to improve your oral health. Uh, Dr. Stephen is going to be talking to us about how closely dental health is tied more to dental health than brushing, flossing, and teeth cleaning. You know, a lot of us go to the dentist to get our teeth cleaned and we're brushing and flossing, hoping to take care of our teeth and prevent cavities, but it's not so simple. Health, dental health, tooth health comes from within. So today we're going to be talking about the role of fat-soluble vitamins and absorbing minerals for dental health. The fluoride debate, you know, are fluoride treatments something that you should do or not, and how to prevent dental issues in your kids. Uh, if you haven't joined me yet for the Heavy Metals Summit, go check out theheavymetalsummit.com. Dr. Christine Schopner and Dr. Dietrich Klinghart and I had 40, about 40 talks, about 40 interviews that we did talking to every expert in the world that we know about how to detox your body, why you want to detox your body, and just give you a world of education about the importance of uh, detoxification. Our guest today, Dr. Stephen Lin, is a dentist, a TEDx speaker, and author of The Dental Diet. With a background in biomedical science and as a passionate health advocate, he is a leader in the functional dental movement, which aims to prevent orthodontic braces and crooked teeth. His book is a complete story about how food has caused the orthodontia epidemic and the 40-day meal plan to heal your body, starting with your mouth. You can visit him on Facebook at Dr. Stephen Lin or Instagram at Dr. Stephen Lin. You can learn more about him at drstephenlin.com. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Wendy. It's a pleasure. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into health. Yeah, so I mean, I'm a dentist by trade, uh, but I've got a background in biomedical science. Uh, so I, you know, seven years of dental school uh, and then jumping out into the world of practical uh, clinical applications. And I, you know, I had a background in sports nutrition and kind of uh, professional athletics. And so I was very much kind of connected to the, the idea that, you know, your environment and you know, what you eat affects your lifestyle, health and performance. And I found the dental school took me away from that, and then I went out into practice. And you're kind of distracted from what you don't learn in dental school because it's very intense, right? Because like you're learning how to fix stuff, and it's it's really hard. It's a hard kind of um, career path. You know, rebuilding things in the mouth is inherently difficult. And I kind of uh, you know started practicing, and you know it's rewarding rebuilding people's smiles. But I found that there was really a lot of things about people's mouths and health in general that I didn't know. And this was all of the, the problems that we see in people's mouths, tooth decay, bleeding gums, gum disease, why kids don't fit teeth, uh, sorry, jaws that fit their 32 teeth anymore. So orthodontic braces, uh, wisdom teeth impactions. There's no answers for that in conventional uh, dental uh, education because I went back through the 
through all the uh, textbooks. And so that kind of led me down the road to looking wider and kind of seeing if there are answers to our mouth, to the oral systemic connection, to nutrition, and how we can really influence that. And actually, I, I think, you know, after many years in this, that I think that nutrition should be shaped on dental health because it's the first point of contact with food, but you also see the first signs of disease in the mouth as well. And so I just think we're missing this because we're so busy thinking, you know, cosmetically how our smiles look, which is great. We need to think about that. But let's understand what's happening underneath as well. Yeah, I think it's a big problem because uh, we do have amazing dentistry in the United States and people can destroy their teeth with sugar and, and refined grains and then a dentist will just rebuild them back up and repair the, you know, the, the cavities. But then, you know, obviously your, your teeth do suffer in the long run. I think you have too much dental work and root canals and um, so many different fillings and repairing the fillings over time. I mean, it's, it's really degrades your teeth quite a bit. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. And, you know, nothing against conventional dentistry because, but it really shows what we're lacking. So, you know, we can go and rebuild nearly anything now. Like, since we've pretty much solved, you know, uh, reconstructive dentistry, like we can do nearly everything besides regrow a tooth from, a, you know, an embryo, which they're doing now. And I'm pretty sure they'll be doing in five to 10 years anyway. Uh, but it, it's, it's taken our focus off you know, what the mouth is telling us and also understanding that as well because there is so much understanding, so much science, so much physiological understanding behind dental disease that tells us about everything that goes along. And so instead of treating end-stage diseases, why aren't we spotting them in the mouth? Yes. So tell us about some of the, like, some of the nutrient deficiencies that cause dental diseases like tooth decay and gum disease and crooked teeth. Uh, so we know that's connected to diet. Uh, primarily, talk to us about what those nutritional deficiencies are. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the, the first one, you know, because everyone kind of knows this, and it's actually probably one of the first real kind of dietary links to disease that we was heavily imprinted into our healthcare and society in general is the connection between tooth decay and sugar. And so we kind of have this causal link between sugar and tooth decay, and you know, story ended sugar causes tooth decay, it hasn't stopped us from eating sugar. But there's actually much more to the tooth decay picture. So, for instance, there are cells inside our teeth, inside the, what's called the pulp or the, the blood and nerve supply of, of the tooth that actually emit an immune response to, uh, to bacteria or invasions from outside uh, in, in the oral cavity. And so these immune cells are hungry for fat-soluble vitamins, so vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K2. And so these are the nutrients that actually, so they feed what these little cells, they're called the odontoblast, but these cells actually come from your bone marrow. And so they signal whether these stem cells from your bone marrow become immune cells or they become bone making cells. And so that's how your immune system and, bone and skeletal system comes about. And all of this has been directed by these three nutrients and, and other systems, of course. But at the base, we've got vitamin D, which we know is crucial for the skeletal system, vitamin A, which we know, you know sends um, bone homeostasis signals, bone turnover grows uh, for growth and development uh, of, of embryos and, and children, K2, which kind of like puts it all together, which, which helps us mineralize everything. And so those three nutrients really haven't been talked about in terms of uh, you know, how they connect to dental health as such. And the biggest 
probably connection is with vitamin D because we know what it does to the skeletal system. Well, it also feeds that immune system inside your teeth. It also feeds the bone homeostasis in your jaw and your uh, the, the microbiome that controls gum disease. And it also signals a child's jaw to grow. So it signals growth hormone, testosterone, that will tell a child's jaw to grow, which is why kids need braces today because then their faces and upper and lower jaws aren't growing the way they should. So it's all a skeletal problem. We haven't seen it like that. And so there, obviously there are more uh, nutrients in, in place, but at the baseline, these three nutrients are crucial for dental health. And so they, I just think they cascade from there. So you, we can go and focus on everything else, but we need to be focused on these three to start with and, and, and go on. Yeah, and that's very much the Wesson A. Price school of thought where you need these fat-soluble vitamins, the, the A and the D and the K, um, to, have, uh, to have healthy bones and healthy teeth and whatnot. And, and he was saying that you know people that have adequate nutrition, that aren't eating all these refined grains and sugar, they have much wider faces and much, much wider jaws and therefore enough room for their teeth to grow and come in. And so, so tell us a little bit about, you know, why kids' teeth aren't growing straight teeth today. Like, why do, why do they need braces? I think I just, yeah. I just answered the question, but <laughs> yeah, you I'll did. let you explain it. Yeah, you, <laughs> Again. You, ab you absolutely did. But for those people that haven't heard of Western Price, I hadn't heard of Western Price Price either. And I actually took some time away from dentistry because I wasn't sure if I could do it all my life. And I discovered his book on a traveler's shelf in Turkey, in Istanbul, and kind of picked it up and thought, what, what is this? And I kind of scrapped through it, and then I was like, there was all these photos, there was this story of this dentist that went around the world in the 30s, and I was kind of like, you know, this is great, but, you know, I, it, it's obviously, I haven't been taught this in my, you know, tertiary education, so it's got to be out, you know, disproven. So I put it in my bag and went away. But I actually went back to it a few years later, I think it was just calling me the entire time. So you stole and, the book? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, you, know, you swap it. I think I swapped mine, right? I'm <laughs> That's a good one. No one's ever said that before. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so I, I, I went back to it and I was kind of like scratching my head and I was like, well, hang on. I, I don't understand what he's saying here. And everything you just said is absolutely what he was doing. So he was going to, uh, in around in the 30s, he went around the world, fought in cultures. He looked at the ancestral diet and where the modern diet intercepts uh, traditional uh, civilizations and so what happens to our teeth uh, comparatively to our anthropological records so just to put it uh, uh, you know kind of as as um, kind of plainly as I can dental diseases every single dental disease we see today has not occurred to the entire history of, of human uh, what the, the time that we've walked the earth until the agricultural revolution and the industrial revolution and that is, if you you know had a, a line of string this long, you could barely you know picture what what that is in terms of uh, in the length of time of humans on Earth. So this he was documenting how quickly the modern diet destroys the tooth decay. So it, we, it links up to uh, the modern rates that we get. But what he was talking about was jaw growth as well. And this is something we still don't talk about. Kids today do not grow jaws that fit 32 teeth. A child that has to have their uh, braces at 10 to 12 or their wisdom teeth extracted, which nearly all kids do uh, at, you know, in early adolescence, that's, sorry, uh, early 20s, that is a sign of jaw growth. 
um, improper growth. And so what he showed is that every society ate these three nutrients in 10 to 20 times as much as what the modern diet was, uh, sorry, the the, uh, Americans were eating back home in Ohio. And then he showed that once you strip it out, this is when you get dental disease. And obviously there's other parts to diet, but, but he was kind of really honing in as to what exactly people were eating to both prevent dental disease, but ensure proper growth. And we know how important this is now because this is something I was never taught in dental school, but when you have crooked teeth, that means your maxilla, your upper jaw uh, bone is kind of thin and narrow by definition. And when that's narrow, your airways are narrow. And so you you decrease the volume in your airways when we don't develop teeth. And now we're walking into a sleep breathing epidemic. So sleep apnea, upper airway resistance syndrome. This is happening in kids. So kids snoring, kids grinding their teeth. It's because their jaws and faces haven't developed. And so this is what Price was talking about. We ignored it and we, we kind of went down the exact opposite kind of route as to what he was describing. And, and now here we are with, with faces and uh, craniofacial systems that don't grow. Yeah, people have these skinny little faces, you know. Yeah. Those mothers aren't getting adequate nutrition, and the mother before for her didn't get adequate nutrition. And the, the diets today of most children are just absolutely atrocious. It's all pretty much pure refined grains and sugar for a lot of kids eating, you know, uh, you know, sandwiches, macaroni and cheese, and cereals. That's pretty much what most kids' diets comprise of. So I was going to talk to you about how adults are affected by their jaws not developing. What kind of health issues are we seeing? You mentioned the sleep apnea and some breathing issues. Anything else that you want to talk about? Yes. Yeah, so the, the most common, and so sleep apnea is the most severe uh, uh, disease category on, on the spectrum of uh, breathing disorders. But there's a whole population of people that are being misdiagnosed for sleep problems. And so I see this all the time. And this is anyone that hasn't really grown an airway that has the uh, adequate volume. So what happens is that when you sleep, uh, you, you, all your muscles relax and, and your kind of face kind of sinks into itself. And, then, and that's when you're supposed to be breathing when you're sleeping. But so what happens is that if your airway, if your jaws don't hold that open, the, the, the close-in volume sends a choking response to your brain. And so what that does is pushes your, your jaw forward often and then you grind your teeth. So people that grind their teeth and don't sleep well or have to sleep on their stomach, uh, they actually suffer from a syndrome called upper airway resistance syndrome. And this is where they never reach deep sleep because their brain is constantly getting this choking response. And it's not even a medically acknowledged term yet, but it was defined at Stanford in the early 90s by a guy named Christian Gilmore. And he's since uh, kind of published many, many papers on what this syndrome does. And what it does is it pushes us into this fight and flight um, kind of uh, response. Our digestive systems turn off. Uh, the vagus nerve is cr- crazily out of, um, out of whack. Uh, teeth grinding, anxiety and depression because we, can't, we are constantly can't get rested. You're tired through the day. Cold hands and feet. And so that's a really, really common presentation of uh, what, you know, the problems with breathing at night. And so it, it flows on to all kinds of problems. And then you get the gut problems that flow on to, you know, we know it connects to nearly every chronic disease out there. So issues with the jaw, you know, kind of flow on right throughout the body. And you can 
nearly always bring this back in, in an adult uh, to a problem with their breathing and how they've kind of compensated. It's all about survival because we have to take the next breath, right? So, like, and if you have to breathe through your mouth or, you know, your body will do it because otherwise you're, you're going to keel over and die. And so this is kind of like the, the equations that we've, we've, we've built this um, system that is just working to survive instead of thrive. Yeah, and so uh, with my daughter, I mean, my daughter has a very wide face because I ate everything in sight when I was pregnant. Uh, so <laughs> she's very, very healthy. Um, but a lot of kids today uh, have to have braces and they, they have to have all kinds of dental work and their mouths are full of cavities. Um, but yet dentists are still doing mercury fillings. So what is your take on mercury fillings and some of the health issues that that's causing? Yeah, there's a lot of context. I mean, uh, you know, as we said, dental work is kind of, uh, you know, we've got a lot of tools now to fix disease. But, you know, we've got the whole, we have the whole thing wrong because we're not understanding as to why they're happening. Tooth decay, gum disease, braces as well. So braces, we can actually intervene in a child's growth um, kind of uh, stage uh, and make sure that they grow just through physical function, breathing through the nose, it's called myofunctional orthodontics. Uh, getting their tongue to the roof of the closed lip, a child will grow a jaw if physically if, if we correct this. Now, so this is all kind of going down the road to, uh, to, to understanding disease processes better. Amalgam fillings are, you know, it, it's one of the restorative arms that were big, you know, through the, the, the late 20th century or the, the 20th century as a whole. And we've kind of phased it out now. And the dental uh, kind of, the, the conventional dental uh, kind of, line is that you know there's no significant risk or exposure to mercury uh you know when you put amalgam fillings in but there's a lot of uh tests out there now and i've seen you know many many people with amalgam fillings some are perfectly fine some are suffering health problems i don't think it's an across the board um kind of you know recommendation to go get them all ripped out i do think if you're having any kind of issue at all i would certainly look closer into your mouth and this includes root canals therapies that you've uh, treatments that you've had anything in there if you have a problem that you can't find the answer for elsewhere i would start in the mouth and so this is uh, you know you can get metal testing you can get uh, other kind of sensitivity testing to see if there's a problem there and uh there's even a system to you can have uh detailed scans on root canal treatments for instance because there's there's thousands and thousands of tiny little uh, canals that uh, we can't fill as dentists. You know, we, we have to kind of just fill the main ones and, and hope that, it, that the tooth responds, which sometimes they do. I've seen teeth heal, root canal treatments heal, and people go on uh, without, you know, and live perfectly healthy. But for, the, for people that are suffering problems, you, I would certainly recommend digging deeper into uh, any dental treatment they've had, the, uh, the materials, because there can potentially be issues. Yeah, especially root canals. I mean, a lot of root canals are can be infected or they, there could be cavitations. And uh, I think definitely I agree with you. Anyone with severe health issues, chronic fatigue, autoimmune disease, they can't or they want to figure out the root cause. You want to be looking at your mouth and looking at if you have any root canals that you might need replaced and put an implant instead. But that can be problematic as well. I mean, people can be sensitive to the materials that are used, the titaniums or zirconium used with the implants. And um, if you don't do it with the right dentist, uh, that can create problems. Can you talk a little bit about what your thoughts are on replacing root canals with implants and what problems root canals can cause? 
Yes. Uh, so that's those scans you can find. There are um, the uh, Bradley Dunneen uh, method. You can actually get um, inflammatory uh, scans that actually show you whether you have this level of inflammation in your vessels that might be linking to uh, retreated teeth. So there are methods out there now to um, uh, to kind of uh, check if, if your root canals are a problem. Uh, you can get a, a, a CBCT scan on, on the tooth and, and you'll see uh, infection that won't turn up on normal x-rays. So I, I would you can certainly go down the road of investigation that aren't really mainstream yet, but they're there, they're happening. With implants, uh, yes, yeah, so there's a certain amount of people that will be sensitive to uh, titanium or uh, other material metals or uh, implants, and so you can actually get a testing done before to see if you're sensitive. I think it's something like 30% of people uh, are sensitive to certain metals, so they may not do well with a titanium implant, mm -hmm. and those tests aren't conventionally available either, so you, I'd recommend digging deeper before you kind of dive into a dental treatment. But then so ceramic implants are actually look like to become uh, probably the safest option there. So they're, they're a non-metal option and uh, they're you know, very biocompatible. And there's a lot of kind of um, systems out there now that you can actually – you go alongside in terms of supplementation and really kind of get that great bone healing uh, with non-kind uh, of uh, irritant uh, materials. So there's a lot of options out there. They're, they're a little bit um, kind of – uh, hard to find. You have to dig a bit deeper, but I would certainly recommend you know, have, you know doing a good search on it before going down the road of treatment. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about nutrition and mineral deficiency is a big problem. And I think a, a big cause of uh, people's teeth not being sensitive or being porous or just not being very very healthy. Um, and you need fat-soluble vitamins and saturated fats to absorb minerals in your body. So people on these non-fat diets or uh, not getting healthy fats in their diet are going to be mineral deficient. And minerals are deficient in our soils and in our foods today. So a lot of people have dental issues as a result of that. Can you talk about the importance of minerals and um, what types of minerals that people should supplement with to have healthy teeth? Yeah, like that is such an important point, Wendy, because you know this is something that you know nearly everyone is anyone that has dental issues is is you know it's the base of their problems. Their body isn't absorbing, and there's many many you know reasons why that's not the case. But the fat soluble vitamins really teach us, I think, how to get that baseline going. And so uh, you know when we kind of you know kind of my road to writing the dental diet, I was really trying to get my patients. To eat more fats, as you say, saturated fats, uh, foods rich in uh, fat-soluble vitamins. So you know things like liver, things like uh, you know grass-fed butter, things like um, you know uh, cheeses and uh, sauerkrauts and natto if they can if they can um, tolerate it. Uh, but so these these were foods they weren't that nearly no one eats unless you really understand the nutritional value. And what they do is they is that they help you to absorb those three key nutrients, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K2, through uh, the, the absorption of fat through the intestine. So what happens is that all of the fat-soluble uh, factors in your diet are packaged together in your intestine and packaged into your blood cholesterol. So what your doctors measure in terms of your blood cholesterol, HDL and LDLs, they are like a UPS postage system that go around and kind of deliver all of these fat-soluble nutrients. 
So if you don't eat the, the, the factors that pack this up into nice, neat packages and send them around, your body can't, can't deliver them. And so if you're eating refined vegetable oils, if you're eating uh, lots of sugar and refined flour, uh, these things absolutely inhibit the, um, uh, you know, the absorption of fat-soluble nutrients. And one big thing too, that if you take a vitamin D supplement, with say with a salad or a low fat, you know, say a chicken breast and and some vegetables, you're not you're going to barely absorb any of it because there's no fat to go alongside of it. So fat soluble vitamins need to be eaten with fat for that very reason because they they're absorbed and packaged uh, to travel around the body. And so those key foods, there's only a few of them that are rich in A, D, and K2. A big factor is that. You know, people kind of think, well, you know, I eat a lot of carrots or, you know, kind of colorful vegetables. I'm getting a lot of beta carotenoids, which are the, um, the, the version of vitamin A that you find in vegetables. But that needs to be converted to the active form, which is retinol in the body. And so the retinol version of vitamin A comes in eggs, in butter, in organ meats. And so you'll only really, depends, you can get genetically tested to see how well you convert these things. Uh, You'll only, but you'll only generally convert maybe 15 to 30 percent of of vegetables if you're eating it with a, at least a good portion of saturated fat, which most people don't. So the active forms of fat soluble vitamins are really important. So K1 is the same. So green vegetables. Uh, K2 is very different. So K2 is called a menaquinone. K1 is a philoquinone, and so philoquinones and certain types of menaquinones as well. The MK7, which is a bacterial one, and the MK4, which is the animal one. That's the one that your body uses. And so that's the one that goes to the brain, goes to all the tissues, and really kind of does all those things that uh, the vitamin K2 is designed. They're both converted in the liver to, to the MK4, K2. So K1 um, and K2, MK7 convert to K2, MK4 in the liver. So you really need – you can eat that directly from your diet though. If you have organ meats, if you have grass-raised butter, if you have lots of eggs, egg yolks by the way, uh, you will be feeding yourself those active forms. And so these all go, go along together. Magnesium is really, really important. Zinc is really, really important. Uh, calcium, I think if you eat enough fat-soluble vitamins, you don't need to worry about supplementing calcium. But I really think that those support factors for A, D, and K2, uh, magnesium, zinc, uh, you know, there, there are a couple other things you can potentially look at. Um, you know, but if, if you get them going right and you eat a diet rich in, um, in, in those uh, fat-soluble vitamin-rich foods, you nearly cover them off anyway, like things like choline and uh, coenzyme Q10. They come from foods that you're going to eat anyway. So focusing on those really cover those off. Mm, it doesn't sound like any of those fat-soluble vitamins are in the vegan diet. And I think that's why a lot of people that uh, you know experiment with that diet eventually find after a year or two that their teeth start disintegrating and they start having all kinds of dental issues. And I think many times they don't connect that with the, their diet that's completely lacking in animal fats and soluble, fat-soluble vitamins. That's totally it. And so all of the that, those conversions that we just mentioned, so the, uh, the vitamin A to retinol, which the vitamin A does come in beta-carotene, you don't get it from vegetables. You don't get it from plant-based foods. And I'm, my diet is all about being plant-based, but that's the base of the P 
pyramid is all vegetables, right? Because that's, you need fiber, you need all these things, but you have to have well-sourced animal foods. And if you're not, you need to supplement because your, your body won't get them. And in California here, you can get lots of vitamin D from the sun, but for many people that don't, that work indoors or live in a, a climate that where you can't get lots of sun a couple of hours a day, you're not going to get enough vitamin D. K2 is the same. You will not get enough uh, K2 from green vegetables or fermented foods, you know, unless you're eating that active form. So, I it's that's a great point. You know, people who are vegetarian, you know, can eat uh, eggs and certain dairies uh, that will help get that. But the vegans people need to supplement because just by definition, let's just understand the nutrients without kind of you know. I understand the ethical reasons for being vegan, but you need to understand what your body needs and how you're going to obtain that from from your uh, from your diet. Yeah, and and even still, if you supplement K or you supplement vitamin D, you still have to have the saturated fats and the, the animal fats to absorb, uh, utilize those and the minerals. So I think that it's just I personally think it's a losing battle with your health. Um, if you go vegan, because I, I did it for six months, wasn't a very good successful experiment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, brushing and flossing. And so, what are your thoughts on those uh, for you know to have healthy teeth? Yeah, so brushing and flossing has kind of been the mainstay of conventional dentistry. Is that you brush and floss well, you know, you're going to have healthy teeth, and that you go to the dent dentist and you get lectured uh, of how you're not brushing enough, you're not flossing enough. Well, you know, like. In the, in 2014, the FDA kind of went through the literature and showed that flossing actually doesn't really link to uh, any kind of uh, benefit in terms of uh, you know what papers showed in terms of evidence. And so, what I try and frame brushing and flossing as you know when you have with your car when you have a, an engine problem, you don't take it to the car wash, do you? You know, there's no use having a, uh, a car that doesn't run with a nice shiny. Paint coat. Yeah. And so that's what that's what you're doing when you're brushing and flossing. And that's what fluoride does as well. It just addresses that very superficial layer in your mouth, the, the tooth surface, when actually you've got an entire system in your body to protect your teeth, regardless of whether you brush and floss. Western A price, and you've got to remember too that these are very, very recent in, interventions. And I'm not telling people not to brush and floss, but let's put it in perspective. It's it's part of your daily regime. It's not ultimately how you prevent dental disease. How you prevent dental disease is eat the foods that feed the immune system, that balance the hormones, balance the microbiome. Remember, the mouth has a, a, a microbiome of itself. And so the, there are probiotic bacteria that live in your mouth. When you constantly disinfect, when you constantly scrub, when you constantly... Um, and the big one I say no to is mouthwash. Don't use mouthwash because uh, the studies, there was a study that came out last year that links uh, daily mouthwash use use to type 2 diabetes. And this is you swallow uh, thousands of microbes every day. So if you swallow a, um, a disposed community, so when you, you take away ecological um, diversity, you're, you're delivering that to the gut. And we know that connects to uh, sorry, digestive problems, autoimmune issues, all of the problems. And, and type 2 diabetes has a, a characteristic uh, uh, gut microbiome uh, pattern that is a loss of diversity. Same thing in the mouth. When you have a diverse ecological balance, you all the probiotic bacteria protect you against tooth decay, gum disease, and so on. Same goes to the gut. And so all of this 
kind of shows that that brushing and flossing really is very low down on the importance ladder, and that food and and you know understanding what your mouth actually needs is far far more important. Yeah, I've been using a Manuka honey toothpaste, and I'm wondering if I'm doing the same thing. I'm killing all the good bacteria. It's the same kind of concept. I'm not using Listerine or, you know, eucalyptus oil or some of the other things in the natural mouthwashes or the not-so-natural mouthwashes, but it's still the same concept. I'm probably killing a lot of bacteria in my mouth and causing problems. (laughs) Well, you know what, like, uh, I mean, you know, essential oils and kind of like natural um, antibacterials, I'm sure have a little bit more kind of, um, you know, like – Nature knows what it, what it's doing far more than what we what we've bottled up with alcohol or chlorhexidine or kind of a hydrogen peroxide mouthwash. So I think you know something like that maybe every now and again is fine, but maybe not every day because really what you're trying to do is you want to be encouraging bacterial diversity. That should be your uh, kind of long term strategy. I think using a, an essential oil or a um, you know manuka honey or prop, propolis uh, kind of based. Uh, toothpaste, you know, I, I, I think that's, you know, people have done that. And I think nature has its way of kind of, you know, balancing that out. So I, I don't think that's necessarily bad, but maybe just, you know, maybe not every day. What about teeth cleaning? Because it seems to me that, you know, your dentist recommends you go get your teeth cleaned every six months and they take this metal hook and scrape your teeth really, really hard. And that it seems like that might be doing damage to, uh, you know, to the outer layer of your teeth. What is your take on that? Uh, it's possible. Uh, look, I, I think those cleans, you know, they, it's good to get, you know, it's good to go to your dentist every six months because they're going to, they can get a much better look of your mouth. And, uh, you know, dental cleans, uh, because when you have plaques and kind of persistent plaques, uh, that can lead to disease. So if you've had dental problems before, cleaning can help kind of remove all of that and then you can kind of reset from there. So there's definitely a you know kind of a um, a role for dental cleaning. Uh, but what I kind of go down really is that that calculus buildup you get on your teeth, uh, it really shouldn't be that hard calculus that um, that you that you you know I see really really thick calculus buildup on people's teeth, and the actual reason is a lack of K2. Um, and so dentists, because what happens is that we know that uh, when you don't have enough K2 in your diet, your um, your arteries, your body can't carry calcium out of your soft tissue. So your arteries, people have high risk of cardiovascular disease. But in the mouth, you know that's little spot behind your teeth where the dentist scrapes, and everyone will have a little bit, a little bit of buildup's normal. That's fine. But if you have a really fast buildup, and if you have a really thick buildup, that's a calculus buildup that is a sign that your body isn't distributing calcium enough. And so instead of Going so what what will normally be recommended is you go for you know more off, uh, cleans more often or you do heavy periodontal treatment to get rid of that calculus buildup and you'll be lectured on oral hygiene that won't matter because your body's just going to be putting this plaque back there. Let's understand why you're not placing calcium in the first place. Oh, that's a very interesting take on that. I hadn't heard that before. Um, but you don't think that if we're, we're damaging the the enamel of the teeth by scraping them. Look, I, I think it's possible. Uh, from what I've seen, you know, I've done a lot of dental cleans myself. Uh, uh, it does feel, uh, and when you have it, because it, your teeth are very sensitive, right? It feels probably far worse than what, what's actually happening. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's possible. I've seen very, very few cases of that kind of damage. Mm. Uh, but if there is damage, you know, it's probably because there was an issue 
prior as well. So, you know, there's kind of weakness there in the enamel. So, you know, I, I think dental cleans are safe and, um, you know, maybe every, you know, if you're eating a healthy diet, though, you, you're only going to need to go every year to two years. You don't need to go all the time. So it, it's something that you can kind of, I think, space out a bit more too. Okay. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about fluoride. So when I go to the dentist, I absolutely avoid, oh, the one I go to is biological, so they don't offer me the fluoride treatments. Um, but in the past, when I've gone, they're always trying to push the fluoride rinse on you and the fluoride treatments and fluoride toothpaste and all this stuff. And there's already fluoride in the water to, uh, you know, conceivably strengthen your enamel. What is your take on that? Yeah, so fluoride, you know, has kind of been the mainstay, of, again, of, of uh, dental disease prevention. Uh, you know, I think it really needs to be seen as treatment. So fluoride is a treatment. We are using it to, uh, what it does is it decreases uh, the, the risk of tooth decay by, by making your tooth enamel more, more resistant to uh, acid. We know that happens, but the thing is, for what we've talked about already you know, in this last 40 minutes, people should already be thinking is that why do I need fluoride if I'm eating the right things, which is absolutely true. And so fluoride has a, a role in rampant decay. I think we can use it to kind of stop, uh, you know, for instance, in kids and some um, elderly people, uh, you, can, you can get really fast-moving decay. And so you can use topical fluoride to kind of slow that down. Fluoride in toothpaste doesn't make sense because it's at the concentration of water fluoridation, which actually is um, shown to be effective systemically and not topically. So if you're putting a fluoride toothpaste in your mouth every day, it's not doing anything anyway, and you're exposing yourself to fluoride for and because there are um, you know risks and benefits of every treatment, and, and fluoride has its risks as well. And anyone with kind of gut and flu and sorry thyroid issues, I would recommend looking at your fluoride intake because uh, there there can be issues. And by definition, too, fluoride is antibacterial. So this same story of you know kind of removing. Uh, and disinfecting the mouth. That's what fluoride we know does, but we don't really know exactly, you know, you know how it disinfects or you know what species it disinfects. So I don't think that fluoride is the answer for many, many people. I think you should be, if you look at your vitamin D levels, if you look at your diet, if you uh, look at your gut, if you look at you know how you sleep and breathe, that's how you you have a healthy mouth and not putting a, a you know kind of a a superficial a fluoride paste or even fluoride, uh, you know, drinking fluoride water every day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just tell people to avoid fluoride if they can, um, just because it de definitely interferes in your thyroid function, the uptake of thyroid hormones and iodine into the uptake of iodine rather that makes your thyroid hormones into your thyroid causes a lot of different problems in the body. And so let's talk about your book, The Dental Diet. Um, so tell us what kind of things that we can find in the book and, and learn from the book. Yeah, so we've actually covered, you know, kind of a lot of the topics that we talk about. So we dive into the story of Weston A. Price. We dive into uh, breathing. So the one thing that I try to teach people is that oxygen is the first nutrient. So we try and learn. I think the mouth shows us the most crucial things that your body needs. And so oxygen is the first nutrient that you should be feeding your body. So we learn how to breathe properly. We learn how to teach our kids how to breathe properly so that they uh, grow jaws and hopefully prevent braces and we do breathing exercises before eating and so understanding how that affects your sleep is really important and then we go on to you know then what you eat so how do you eat for good dental health it's based on 
uh, the philosophy that fat-soluble nutrients are crucial to the skeletal system, to the immune system inside your teeth, to your gums, to your microbiome, uh, and what, how to get that in, in a modern day, uh, you know, kind of, you know, busy lifestyle, you know, because these foods are, you have to think about it. And whilst it might seem a little bit annoying, uh, eating fats, you know, the, uh, a diet rich in fat soluble vitamins is going to be far more beneficial to you and save you far much more, you know, more money than, uh, you know, trying to, you know, go down the road of any kind of, you know, other, uh, diet or, you know, any other kind of health um, kind of uh, reset. Then understand the microbiome too. So the oral microbiome, the connection to the gut, the mouth-body connection, thousands of microbes every day. Let's understand the mouth and let's balance the gut via this very accessible uh, tool we have right here. And so all of these come together. We do a 40-day food plan to kind of remove sugar. Uh, one thing with sugar is it's so hard to get rid of. And so I kind of take people through removing refined sugar. And then we do two weeks absolutely zero to help our bodies kind of understand what it's like to be without sugar again and to, and to feel like actually I can go without this. And, you know, I, you don't have to do the zero sugar if you don't want to, but I just recommend it because, you know, if you don't, if your body doesn't understand what it's like to be without it, you, how can you build that context? And so the dental diet is all about understanding this mouth body connection, uh, how to eat in a, a you know, busy, every, uh, busy everyday lives today and how to prevent hopefully our next generation of kids, you know, not to have tooth decay, not to have gum disease, not to have, uh, you know, jaws that don't fit teeth and needing orthodontic braces. I think orthodontic braces is one of the biggest health ep epidemics on the planet, and we need to start understanding how to prevent it. Otherwise, the road we're going down is a very, very uh, kind of uh, un unfortunate one, I think. Yeah, I mean, I know in working with my clients and doing metals testing that people have had braces, they have nickel toxicity and they mm -hmm. have other metal toxicities because of having the, the orthodontics, the metal braces in their mouths for years. You know what? That's one thing that I haven't looked at closely, but that makes a lot of sense because, you know, there's not a lot of consideration as to what uh, those orthodontic brackets are, are made up of. Uh, and so there are some that do have um, kind of lower amounts of certain trace metals, but for the most part, they're just thrown in there. Yeah, so that's a great point. Actually, I'm going to note that down. That's a really, really important one. Yeah, I made and, a correlation with testing people, and I see high nickel on their tests, and I always ask, or we ask on the forum, "Have you had braces?" and and I, I see I've noticed a correlation there because I mean, years and years, they're that nickel is leaching into their bodies and nickel uh, is the most common metal sensitivity and it can lead to you know immune system dysfunction and autoimmune diseases yeah like this is it's it, it's so you know accessible the mouth and so you know you can nearly pick up you know even if it's you know so, well you know i had braces or i had kind of um, you know i had this this root canal treatment 10 years ago there's usually something there that tells you kind of a story as to how you've gone down you know, the road to a problem like an autoimmune condition because autoimmune conditions are such long-term diseases that, you know, there's usually signs that we can pick up first. I just think the mouth really gives us the, that kind of um, framework to work in. Yes. Well, Dr. Lin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you and learn more about your work? Sure, yes. Yeah. So my website is on uh, www.drstephenlin.com, so D-R-S-T-E-V-E-N-L-I-N.com, uh, at Dr. Stephen Lin on Facebook and Instagram. So I share a lot of the oral systemic connection. We talk about probiotics, 
uh, kids' dental health, breathing, uh, nutrition. And then my book, The Dental Diet, is available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, uh, and so you can grab it on there uh, just by searching The Dental Diet. So yeah, any questions, let me know. So we, I love talking about uh, the oral systemic question. People have dental questions out there. So yeah, and thank you so much, you know, Wendy, for all, all the work you do because this is you know, getting this information out there is so important, and you know, people have to kind of uh, you know think about their health in a different way because you know we have to you know change this for our kids. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I know my daughter's eight years old, and I'm taking her to the dentist. She had a couple of cavities in the last one, and I'm like, oh my god, here we go, because <laughs> I don't want to have her like me have a whole mouth full of teeth filled with uh, composite and what used to be mercury. So yeah, we need to really start thinking of changing about how we approach um, our diet and our dental care. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. You can learn more about me at MyersDetox.com and you can watch the video and get the transcript for this show also on MyersDetox.com and check us out on iTunes. Please take two minutes to leave a review so that we can reach more people and help as many people as possible. Thank you so much for listening.